0: We're talking all things personal development, including health, fitness, confidence, relationships, and so much more. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. You're listening to episode number 38 of the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. You guys hear my guests and me talk about mindset all the time, but I know it's one of those tricky topics that could be hard to take action on and actually apply to your life. There's just so much information, so much content, and so many opinions out there, and it's easy to get overwhelmed and experience paralysis by analysis and just not take action at all. So this week, I wanted to make mindset really tangible and actionable for you when it comes to health and fitness specifically, because we all know you can have the absolute perfect plan for your goals and just still not see results. If your headspace isn't where it needs to be right self-sabotage limiting beliefs lack of self-awareness emotional breakdowns The list goes on and on But basically my point is that making progress in health and fitness is way more mental than we realize And I have just the girl to talk to you guys about this stuff. One of my actual best friends Karen bellini Karen is absolutely amazing at combining psychology and health and fitness because she actually has a psychology degree. She used to work in psychology and now she's a women's health and fitness coach, much like myself. She is amazing at what she does and she has so much to share with you. So, in this episode, her and I really dig into what sort of mindset shifts need to happen for you to reach your goals and then how to make them, the psychology behind making them, as well as the psychology behind building good habits and getting rid of bad ones. That is something that we all struggle with, as well as how to get yourself out of a funk, get remotivated, get connected to your why, no matter how down you feel. I know that you're going to learn a ton from Karen and leave this episode feeling really empowered and ready to level up mentally. But before we we get into the episode, let's do the review of the week. This one is from Cassidy Nadine and she says, now this is life-changing five stars. I've been following Marie for a few months now and I've never been more motivated to become everything I've ever wanted to be. Marie really tells you everything you want and need to hear to change your life. Her podcast is in a category all by itself. There truly is nothing else like it. All I can say is, wow, I'm so honored to be able to play such an important role in your journey, Cassidy. I love that you mentioned that I just don't tell you what you want to hear, but what you actually need to hear because I've always kind of been known as that tough love friend in my friend groups. I'm the one that you go to when you want to cut through the BS and have someone tell it to you straight, right? So I'm so glad that I can be that for you in the most loving and empowering way possible. And as a thank you, I would love to send you a limited edition grind to be grateful t-shirt as a thank you. So if you're listening, please DM me on Instagram at Marie E. Wold and tell me your size and address so I can get that sent out to you. If you're listening right now and you're not, Cassidy, you can get a chance to be the review of the week and receive a limited edition Grind and Be Grateful t-shirt for yourself by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes. I know you probably always tell yourself, I'll do it next time or my review doesn't really make a difference, but it really only takes one minute and it truly means the world to my team and I. You guys don't even really see it, but this podcast takes a village and there's an entire team of people working on it behind the scenes from managing to producing to uploading to graphics, everything. So every rating and review helps support all of the work that my team puts in. And if you don't want to do it for me, then do it for them. Okay. All you have to do again is head on over to iTunes on your phone or computer, find the ratings and reviews section and let us know how we're doing. It is truly, truly appreciated. This episode is brought to you by my all-time favorite supplement brand, P.E. Science. P.E. Science is always leading the industry with science-backed ingredients, amazing quality, and great taste. So if you're looking to level up your health and fitness regimen, I definitely recommend grabbing their True Multi and Omega-3 Combo Pack, which is like a multivitamin and Omega-3 Combo, which is so, so great for supporting your overall health, as well as their Symbiont GI Digestive Blend. Those three together are are like powerhouses for overall wellness, energy, skin and gut health, bloating and more. You can get all PE Science products for 15% off when you use code MARIE on pe-science.com. Oh, and by the way, they always throw in tons of free samples. I always get tagged in y'all's Instagram stories with your surprise and delight over how many samples you get in every order. So that's awesome. So if you want to check out those products and everything else that PE Science has to offer, head on over to pe-science.com. That's P-E-S-C-I-E-N-C-E.com and use discount code Marie to save you 15%. Now, without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hi, Karen. Welcome to the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. Hey, girl. Thanks so much for having me on. If it sounds like Karen and I are greeting each other like best friends, it's because she is one of my best friends, and I'm so excited to have her finally on the show. She has so much knowledge and experience and expertise that you guys are going to love hearing from her. So Karen, tell us a little bit about your background as far as who you are, what you do, and what brought you to being the badass health coach and mentor that you are today.
1: Yes. Well, thank you so much for that kind introduction. That was amazing. (laughs) Um, Well, I'm from Chicago, living in California now, moved out here about five years ago. Crazy to even say that. I can't believe I've been in California for almost 5 years, but time flies. I know it's insane. My background actually is in psychology. That's what I went to graduate school for. That's what I did my undergrad in. And then around 2014 was when I really found my passion for fitness. I was working full-time as a psychologist in an elementary school district and Prior to that, in my undergraduate and even graduate school, I really struggled a lot with body image and just was your typical college student that yo-yo dieted and at that point had zero knowledge of nutrition or training and fell into the trap of extreme dieting, just thinking that in order to lose weight, change my body, that I needed to basically eat nothing and live on the cardio machine. So that's essentially what I started doing in undergrad. Lost a bunch of weight, of course, but it was in a very unhealthy way and it truly spiraled into an eating disorder that carried with me all throughout graduate school and my weight would constantly fluctuate from really scary lows to some like uncomfortable highs. And around 2012 was when I found fitness just at not the competitive level quite yet, but just really started making it a part of my life and learning more about nutrition and was going to therapy and stuff at that point to recover and overcome the eating disorder but I wholeheartedly at that point attributed fitness to really saving my life because I really just became so passionate about it learning how to like fuel my body properly and that food wasn't the enemy and really just became so passionate about what it was doing in my life and how it truly changed my life that I wanted to just be more educated and more knowledgeable and that's when fitness sort of took off for me with competing too. And again, just was so incredibly passionate about it. And while I was working full time as a psychologist, I was building my coaching business on the side, I would work full time full day and would come home. And if anybody's familiar with school psychology, the work doesn't end at the end of the workday, you come home, you score your assessments that you've done on the children that you've worked with, and you're writing reports and this and that. And so I would find one or two hours a day to be working on my business because I knew that that's really where my passion lied and eventually got to the point where I just decided to go all in. And I have no regrets. I'm here living out my dream every single day. But what I do find really cool is that I have no regret in regards to the education and the years that I put in with education and practice because my style of coaching that i deliver really is very much mindset based and very much behavioral change based i'm so fascinated with human behavior and how we truly can mold shape our behaviors based on our own mental and emotional things that we're going through our thought patterns so it's really cool to be able to basically combine all of my passions to deliver now a service to my clients that i work with and man girl i wake up so excited about what i'm doing and So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now.
0: Okay, amazing. And I'm really excited to dive into psychology and mindset stuff. But first, can you tell everyone about your journey? Because initially, my fitness journey went a lot of the same ways. I was really uneducated. And then I discovered fitness. And I was like, wow, this is really empowering to realize how I eat and how I move my body can affect my appearance and how I feel. And so I had a very similar start and then also a very similar transition to where I started competing and took it to the extreme. So can you tell us about kind of that side of your journey?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So when I first started getting serious about fitness, I didn't know this was in 2012. So way back feels like, but I didn't even know that competing was a thing at that time. I didn't know that that even existed. It wasn't until a girlfriend of mine had brought it up and she was, man, you're looking so good. You're going to the gym all the time. You should consider competing. At that point, I had finished grad school. I was feeling pretty comfortable in my job. And I'm the type of person that literally just always needs to feel like I'm challenging myself and doing yeah. something really uncomfortable. So I was like, yeah, I knew nothing about it. And I literally was like, yeah, that sounds good. I'm going to do that. <laughs> so I literally went on bodybuilding.com and I think I Googled competition diet or I don't even remember what I googled or searched on bodybuilding.com but a 12-week trainer diet came up with a downloadable training program. they were both free from bodybuilding.com and I was literally so this is like a cookie cutter plan you know. Yeah. But it worked for me right because I was still such a noob and so I followed along with that and this is how clueless I was Marie. I literally went to Target and bought what I thought was be my competition bikini. (laughs) What? I'm like, yes, I got this bikini. I remember trying it on, sending pictures to my mom. And she's like, that's perfect. And about three weeks before the competition, so I was literally prepping myself for this whole show, registered, got my Target bikini. And like three weeks before the competition, I met this woman at the gym and she came up to me and she was like, are you prepping for a show? Like you look so great. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I was like so excited, you know? And she goes, oh, I'm a prep coach. Do you need help with your posing? And I literally like looked at her like a deer in headlights. I was like, my what? (laughs) This was three weeks before the show. And I had no clue that I had to get on stage and do a routine. This is in 2012 when bikini wasn't as saturated as it was now. Bodybuilding wasn't, especially the bikini industry wasn't like as popping as it is now. So I just really didn't know. And luckily, she took me under her wing. She taught me how to pose. She got me the right suit in the nick of time. (laughs) I got on stage and won that show. And so, literally, I was so hooked. From there, I was just like, "Wow, this is so cool to just be able to be so in control of the manipulation of our bodies and." I just felt so, just like this rush when I was on stage. Like this has felt like home up there, honestly. And I still like love that feeling, probably because my background in cheerleading, gymnastics. I've always just kind of grown up with that sort of thing and went on to compete at a national qualifier, won the overall at that show and then turned pro. Casual, like your first season. Yeah. I mean, I felt like that was God's message to me that that was what I was supposed to be doing at that time because... I mean, I don't want to say it came easy because I worked my freaking butt off, but I did well at it. So I turned pro in 2014 and then went on to compete as a pro for solid five years after that. And when I tell people what I'm about to tell you now, they literally look at me like I'm crazy. I actually told a girl in the Stairmaster this yesterday and she was like, what? In those five years, I did 27 shows.
0: (laughs) Okay, I want to pause for a second for anyone that doesn't know the world of competing because I often forget that we're in this tiny bubble of people that know what we're talking about. And probably the vast majority of people listening might not even know what competing really entails. So we're talking about physique competitions. And Karen, can you give us an outline of what they're judging you on, what your prep is like, and kind of why it's insane that you did that many competitions in five years?
1: The diet in and of itself is incredibly extreme. You're on low calories, consistently in a deficit, which has implications on your metabolism, on your hormones, affects your mental health. And then on top of that, your training is so incredibly intense. Oftentimes, Most competitors are doing two-a-days between cardio and weight training. And truly what I found is you really don't have mental capacity for literally anything else Mm -hmm. in your life. Everything goes to prepping for that sport. It really does require all of your physical and mental capacity. And a lot of other things in your life begin to suffer because of that. I mean, I was pretty much single the entire course yep. of the time I was competing because you literally you can't go out to eat. You just literally can't give you any have no of your free time emotions. outside of the gym. You yeah, you yeah, don't want anyone no- to touch
0: you. You're cranky. Yeah.
1: Yes. And it is a very selfish sport. And so 27 shows is absolutely insane just because of the extreme nature of the diet, of the training, and of the time that it requires. So yeah, that's that's pretty much prep in a nutshell.
0: Okay. So with all that being said, one thing that a lot of competitors, I know you and I have both gone through this is that competitors learn to place our identity and even our self-worth to a degree in the way we look. We really gauge our progress during prep. If I look leaner, if I lost weight, if my posing is better than I won today, right? Whereas that's not a real thing. You can't judge your self-worth based on how you look or how your weight fluctuated or anything like that. And so what has it been like for you to navigate away from that and recondition yourself to place yourself worth outside of what you look like, outside of your accomplishments in prep and shows and all of that stuff?
1: Yes, it's such a great question because it's so spot on with yesterday. I actually was getting ready for the gym and I would look at myself before you leave. I got like the big selfie mirror downstairs <laughs> and I had this aha moment where I looked at myself and I was like, wow, I feel amazing. I'm 20 pounds above my stage weight. And you know, like for most people, that would probably feel a little uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And it did. I'll get to that. But I'm so in this space right now where I love my body. I'm so clear headed, have so much mental clarity, so much energy. And I thought about this at the gym yesterday where I was like, yeah, I could maybe lose a little body fat or lean out a little bit. But I don't feel like I need to. Mm -hmm. For once in my life, I don't feel like I need to change my body. It's like such a freeing feeling. And oh my God, it's such a great feeling. But you are so right that when I first stepped off stage, it kind of went in waves. So I first stepped off stage and I was like, yes, I finally have this freedom to go all in with my business and have this mental capacity to devote to other important things in my life. And then from there, it tanked. (laughs) Everything just sort of plummeted. And I really did go through what I feel was an identity crisis Mm. in every sense of the word. I really feel like I did because of competing, I mean, it was my entire life. It was my identity. And I didn't realize how much it was until I stepped off stage and felt a little bit lost, even though I really do feel like my business is what kept me going. But there were days where I really felt like I was going through an identity crisis and I was also dealing with a lot of health complications. Obviously, we talked a little bit about how the extreme nature of the sport, and I'm not bashing the sport by any means. What I'm bashing is my intensity at which I went about it. Is there a healthy way to prep and compete? Perhaps. But what I did, 27 shows in five years, that intensity, it's not healthy. There's no way to do that many shows in a healthy way. Mm And so – because of that, I did suffer major hormonal imbalances. I actually, when I first stepped off stage, my blood work was that of a premenopausal woman. Like, mm. uh, excuse me, what? <laughs> like that should not have been the case. My digestion was completely wonky. I was having so many issues. There were days, and you probably know about this, Marie, that I would literally just be curled up in a ball on the couch, crying in so much pain because my body was experiencing so much inflammation. And Inflammation is the body's response to fighting something. And my body was clearly fighting me. It was like, girl, we've had enough. And inflammation literally from my head to my toes, everything was inflamed. And then that spiraled into just my anxiety levels increasing because I felt so out of control of my body. I mean, imagine going from having the utmost control and being able to manipulate your body through your diet, your nutrition to literally feeling like all of your control is just stripped away from mm-hmm. you. And there's nothing you can do about it. And that's literally how I felt. I felt absolutely hopeless. And I'm super open about talking about mental health because I've struggled with anxiety my whole life. And I have gotten to a point where I've used it in a productive way. I've managed it well. And I like to share that with people that follow me and stuff. But for the first time in my life, I started experiencing depression. And man, I would never wish that upon anybody. There were literally days, Marie, where like I physically Could not get out of bed. And then that turned into a vicious cycle of me beating myself up because that's not the woman that I know myself to be. Like, I'm always such an energetic person. I literally have been told before that I'm annoyingly positive. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, that's fine with me. I'd rather be annoyingly positive than negative. So, whatever. But, I was beating myself up because I was feeling so hopeless and negative and I felt like I couldn't pull myself out of it. And I described depression actually to somebody earlier this week as it felt like I was in a dark room with a broken light switch Mm. and I literally could not turn that switch on. I actually just posted a YouTube video all about the things that really helped pull me out of that depression and why I feel like I'm in such a better place now, but that was such a hard time in my life. It lasted for a good seven, eight months. And at times, I really just felt truly hopeless. And I literally would never wish that upon anybody. And again, I'm not bashing competing. I'm not saying that competing was the reason that I spiraled into a depression or anything like that. It really was a culmination of so many different things, right. including the intensity at which I went about it, the fact that I was dealing with hormonal issues, which impacts your mental health and impacts your serotonin levels. And so, Like I said, I posted a YouTube video with all of the things that truly helped me. I don't know how deep we want to get into that, but perhaps that's something that if people are listening, if they want to watch...
0: Yeah, one thing I'm really curious about as far as the identity stuff, because I can definitely relate to just that becomes your identity. I mean, your whole day, week, month, year is revolving around your competitions, whether you're prepping or you're in off season, everything is intentional around your competition. And so it obviously becomes your identity because your life is revolving around it. But once you leave competing and you step off stage for the last time, you're like, well, shit, if I'm not a competitor, what am I? How did you start rebuilding
1: that identity and figuring out who you were outside of competing? I really think that <laughs> I really think my business is what saved me partly because it's the fulfillment that I receive from the women that I work with. So i mm. you've seen me on coaching phone calls with my clients and you can probably see how lit up I get when I talk to For them. For sure. It's everything to me. And so even on those days where I was questioning my identity or just even questioning my happiness levels, as soon as I would get on a coaching phone call with a client, it would just bring me back to reality and remind me this is truly my purpose and what I've been called on this earth to do. And I learned in that regard that it is okay for the things that fulfill us to shift and to change, and actually that they should, because if we stay the same, you know, if we're not growing, we're basically dead, right? So learning to accept that the things that make us happy and that the things that fulfill us are forever going to change and that we have to be adaptable and learn to shift and grow with them. I think that that was a huge thing for me and not holding on to the idea that I had to be married to competing for the rest of my life and just honing in on that fulfillment that I received from The work that I do with the clients that I work with, that really helped me. Diving into my faith even more is something that truly helped me too. And it really helped me to attach my value to my heart, to the gifts that I am giving to the world rather than what my body looks like. Because at the end of the day, regardless of what shape my body is in, I still have the same heart inside of it. And I still have the same gifts to give regardless of what the number on the scale is.
0: Let's take a quick break and talk about another important aspect of anyone's fitness journey, and that is the supplements you take. While they aren't necessary in order to see progress, I'm going to be really honest with you guys. If you're on point with your workouts, if you're eating right, and if you're working on your mindset already, they can definitely help. Plus, there are some things that I recommend for everyone, no matter what their goals are, so that you can really support your overall health while chasing those fitness goals because health is absolutely number one most important. And so I swear by PE Science for any and all supplements, and they have been in my corner for years and years now. They've supported me through so many different chapters of my fitness journey and life, so I know that they truly have products for everyone. They've been with me through College volleyball to bikini competitions to powerlifting to hormone balancing and overall wellness. They have really helped me do it all. And they just have a super great variety of high quality, purity guaranteed products. But the ones I use every single day are the Vegan Select Protein, the Women's True Multi, the Symbiont GI Probiotic and Digestive Enzymes, and their Omega-3 Plus Fish Oil. All of these combined are like my little team of supplement superheroes, and they work together to make sure that I continue to feel amazing, support my health, and see progress towards my goals. If you're looking for a protein powder and just something to help you hit your daily protein requirements in a delicious and convenient way, I love their options And the vegan one is great for anyone who avoids dairy or just wants a more natural route. It's made from a blend of pea and brown rice protein and sweetened with stevia. So you can really feel good about taking it and even having multiple scoops a day if you want to. The best part though about PE Science as a whole is that they take product quality and efficacy super super seriously. Like everything is backed by science, clinically dosed and tested for purity before it even makes it to you, and they're one of the few truly trustworthy and honest companies in the industry. So that's one of many reasons why I'm so proud to be a part of their family and proud to be partnering with them for this episode. If you want to check out all of the products PE Science has to offer and grab some of my favorites, head to pe-science.com to start shopping. And and be sure to enter code Marie at checkout to save 15% on your entire order. Again, that's dot com, and the 15% off code is Marie. Thank you again to PE Science for being this week's podcast sponsor. Now let's get back to the interview. One thing that we talked about a lot when we were together last in person, which was too long ago, but we talked about the fact that we get to choose our identity like we just talked about, and we also get to choose the stories that we tell ourselves one story that you were stuck telling yourself is that your worth was predicated on how you looked or your accomplishments with competing, or maybe there were stories about how you're stuck in a depression or things like that. Like, What stories have you had to overcome and what advice would you give to our listeners who have their own stories?
1: Definitely the body image thing was huge. I, for so long, was just so used to seeing myself in this competition lean body and started to attach my value to that. And I struggled when I started gaining weight, feeling like I wasn't going to be an inspiration or a motivation to other people and really had to break through that limiting belief and recognize again that my value and my worth that I'm providing Have absolutely nothing to do with the way that I look. My gifts are in my heart. They're in the gifts that I share with my clients, the transformations that I help them make in their mindsets and from the inside out. And that could happen in any body, in any shape and in any weight. And so that was a major limiting belief that I had to overcome for myself. And I think another story that I had to break through was that I wouldn't be confident unless I was lean. (laughs) And something that really helped me build my confidence and actually helped me break through that depression in my life, therapy was huge, but other than that was making small commitments to myself every single day. And I really have found that if you want to build your confidence, that's actually one of the best ways and most assured ways to do it is to make a commitment to yourself, make three commitments to yourself every single day, even if they're so small, and actually follow through with it. And the more I was seeing myself make these commitments to myself, whether they even if they had nothing to do with my business or anything, like, during that time, when I was really, really, really depressed, I would make the smallest commitments of even just taking a shower and going for a walk to get a coffee, you know, Mm because you got to start small sometimes and build up and that's okay. And Show yourself grace. That was another big thing that I really had to do for myself is not hold guilt around how I was feeling at that time, not hold resentment towards myself, not be mad at myself. I had to sit with those feelings, accept them, and show myself some grace to know that it's okay to feel that, but to also know that I'm not going to allow myself to stay there. And so I started just making small commitments to myself. And over time, those small commitments, I found that without even realizing it, became Bigger and bigger and bigger as my Mm -hmm. confidence began to grow. And truly, that's what made me realize that my confidence has absolutely nothing to do with the way that I look. It has everything to do with the way that I show up for myself.
0: Preach all of the praise hand emojis like (laughs) over here. I wish you could see me. But okay, I love so much of what you just said. And one thing I want to point out really quick is the fact that confidence is not correlated with the way that you look because recently i made a post on instagram i was like here are my three biggest ways to like heal body image and one of the comments that i got right away was yeah i would have good body image if i looked like you too and that just really hurt me, not on a personal level, but I hurt for that woman because I don't want anyone to believe that their confidence or their self-worth is determined by the way that they look. And if they look a certain way, then they're just stuck forever not being confident. When in reality, I think it's safe to say that you and I are the most confident we've ever been. And our bodies are also a lot different than what we used to work really hard to maintain, right? Yes, yeah, for sure. Personally, I've been 120 pounds. I've been 160 pounds. I've been a national level bikini competitor. I've been a powerlifter. I've been active. I've been not active. I have run the gamut of possibilities for the way I look, the way I live my life. And none of them gave me confidence until I started rewriting my own stories and defining my own worth and like taking that power back.
1: Yeah. And that's exactly it. We get to have all the confidence in the world that we want, you have to create it for yourself. And it has absolutely nothing to do with the way that you look, with the number on scale. And that was a major mindset shift that I think both of us probably had to make.
0: Mm -hmm. What about building confidence then tangible ways. So number one, I so agree with keeping promises to yourself. You feel like you're taking your power back if you're able to follow through with your own commitments. And I think a lot of people will definitely honor commitments to other people more than they honor their commitments to themselves. And why do you think that that takes our power away and takes our confidence away?
1: Oh my gosh, because you cannot pour from an empty cup. (laughs) That (laughs) is something that I've actually had to rewrite a story about myself as well, because I'm such a giver at heart. But what I realized is that I become a more powerful giver when I'm making sure that I'm giving to myself first. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's something else that actually builds confidence is staying in alignment with your needs and your desires and honoring them regardless of what that looks like to other people. That was so huge for me, creating awareness around what my needs are, what my boundaries are, saying no to the things, people, and just habits and behaviors that didn't serve me anymore, and just staying in alignment with my needs and my boundaries.
0: Right. It can feel so selfish when you're stuck in that place of always putting other people before you. So I get why it's so hard to set those boundaries and honor them and respect them. But I think that doing so is the most foundational form of self-care and self-respect. And you cannot have confidence if you're constantly putting everyone else before yourself.
1: Yeah. You honestly feel so much more empowered when you learn to say no to those things that just aren't serving you anymore. You know, one thing I always say is the sooner you let go of those things that aren't serving you anymore, the sooner you allow yourself to open up your mind and your heart to all of the abundance of blessings that are supposed to be in your life.
0: Yeah. So with that, confidence can be so ambiguous. And I think A lot of times we think of confidence as simply the way we carry ourselves or just our physical presence, but confidence is so, so multifaceted. So what do you think a confident person looks like in the way that they speak to themselves, speak to others, show up in the world, serve other people? What does confidence actually mean other than just walking into a room and looking like you own the place?
1: Yeah. What's cool about confidence is it can have a different meaning for everybody. I think that that's really amazing. So personally, confidence for me, it means that people feel my energy. For example, I was on a coaching call with a new client last night, and she's like, I literally feel so hyped up and hopeful for the first (laughs) time in my life or in so long after talking to you. And for me, that means that she was able to sense my confidence so energy is like literally everything and i think that for me confidence also means that when you walk in that room people that are in that room with you they're leaving feeling just a sense of confidence themselves, like it rubs off on other people. They feel more positive. They literally see the light shining out of your butthole. Um, (laughs) For me, like that's my definition is when people can feel my energy and I've impacted them in a positive way just by being in my energy and in my aura, like that's confidence for me. And again, it has nothing to do with what weight I am or how beautiful my makeup looks.
0: So with confidence and how we can cultivate it is obviously keeping promises to ourselves, rewriting those stories that we tell ourselves, showing up for ourselves in a powerful way, being around people who make us feel like our best selves, setting goals and reaching them, all that stuff. But what sort of things do people do to sabotage their confidence? What do you see in your clients that are those big red flags like, oh, girl, you are killing your own confidence?
1: literally the number one thing is scrolling on Instagram and comparing Mm.
0: themselves
1: to other women. It is the number one killer. And what I preach to them is, sadly, you don't really know if What you're seeing on Instagram is truly what that person looks like in real life. I tell them, why would you waste your time scrolling, comparing yourself to somebody's highlight rails when that might not actually be their reality, when you could be spending that time doing something to make yourself feel better? The world in general would be such a better place if instead of scrolling, trolling, comparing, we were literally investing that time in ourselves the world would be a better place. You would feel better about yourself. You'd be more confident. And I really, truly tried to preach and teach the women that I work with to limit their time on social media. Because although it can be an incredible platform, I mean, it's how I've met some of my best friends, including you. It's how I've connected with every single woman that I've gotten the pleasure to work with. But it also can be really impactful and have negative implications on our self worth. And so as soon as you catch yourself getting caught up in comparison on social media, you know, stop in your tracks and get your butt off it and do something productive for yourself. I really think that comparison is one of the worst killers of confidence.
0: I would definitely have to agree. Like, Social media has been such a blessing in my life as well, whether it's making friends or getting clients or being inspired by people that I never would have gotten a chance to connect with otherwise. But at the same time, you have to be so vigilant about protecting your headspace and what you're consuming. Oh my goodness, the Explore page is just a confidence comparison trap. If you want to be knocked down a few notches, go to the Explore page because there will be endless supplies of women who are applying the most perfect makeup that you could never do, women whose waists are way tinier than yours could ever be, unless you like remove some ribs or Photoshop yourself. You know, there are so many unattainable standards on there. And so One thing I always really recommend and try to practice myself is I make sure that I'm only following people that make me feel good about myself. If there is someone, even if they have the best intentions, if there is someone that I'm following and every time I see their photo or their caption, they might be a great person. But if they, for some reason, are like triggering a reaction in me, I'll either mute them or unfollow them. And I probably will be able to come back and follow them again eventually if they have valuable content. but. It's important to notice those triggers and then look inward. Obviously, it's not their fault. You still have to take responsibility for the way that you feel. But you need to protect your energy. You need to protect your zone. Because if you're constantly falling into that comparison trap, then how do you have any hope of being confident, being in your power and like living your best life?
1: Absolutely. You're so on point with that. It's so funny that you say that because literally over the last month, I have unfollowed over a thousand accounts. Oh my God. I can't believe you were even following over a thousand I know. I Just over the years, I've had my account since like 2013. So, you know, like right now I'm what following 529. I was literally over a thousand accounts just because I just went through and I was like, if these aren't serving me, if I'm not gaining value, if I'm not growing, if I don't feel inspired and positive when I look at this page and it's nothing against those people or whatever account it was, this isn't adding value to me right now. Mm -hmm. So I don't need it. And another thing that I just discovered too, that you can do that will sort of change the game for your explore page and put more positivity on there because you're right, it can be a trap for comparison and negativity. You can actually type in self-love, let's say, as one of the hashtags and you can follow hashtags. So self-love or body positivity or female motivate, I don't know, whatever. And you can follow certain hashtags and then those will populate more on your explore page. So instead of whatever is causing you that comparison, you'll have more things that are in line with how you want to feel. So that's something new that right. we discovered.
0: No, that's so smart. And actually your Instagram Explore page is a really good reflection of what you've been sucked into lately. So right now my Instagram Explore page is horse jumping videos and I think maybe some swipe workouts and I'm looking at it right now. And it's also like protein cookies and it's a lot of horses because I've been looking at horse videos at night and I just scroll and watch people jump their horses all night. But if your explore page is a bunch of girls with physiques you can't relate to or people that have like an unattainable lifestyle for you, that means that's what you've been looking at. So use your explore page as your litmus test for what you've been exposing yourself to. And if you don't feel good looking at your explore page, that's a huge red flag that you have not been feeding your brain with the type of content that is going to make your life better.
1: Yes, and consider a social media detox. That's what I call my eliminating a thousand accounts day. <laughs> and by the way, Instagram only lets you unfollow a hundred people at a time and then it'll block you for 24 hours. It thinks you're like doing something crazy. So it took me like two weeks to unfollow all these <laughs> <things>. <laughs> But that's so funny that you say that because the majority of the photos on my explore page right now are literally French bulldogs and, yeah. <laughs> and manicured designs.
0: <laughs> oh my God. Yep. Mine alternates between like horses. If you guys didn't know, I jump horses in my spare time. That's my biggest passion outside of what I do on here. And then I also have golden retrievers. And then I also have a lot of like body positive and self-love kind of influencers on there as well. So I feel like I've done a good job, but it definitely used to be a lot of fitness accounts, a lot of girls that fit kind of like that fitspo mold that I used to be in and used to try so hard to stay in. And that just made me feel so bad about myself, but I kept exposing myself to them because I was like, Oh, maybe it'll help me get motivated. Maybe it'll help me get back to that point. But it's not about trying to live someone else's life or fit a mold. It's about doing what makes you feel good and setting your priorities and then
1: honoring them. Yeah. I mean, making yourself feel less than is not a source of motivation. That's the exact opposite. It's only going to drain you of the energy that you could be using for motivation.
0: I always say if your end goal requires a process that is fueled by self-hatred or guilt or shame or anything like that, the end goal, even if you ever reach it, it's not going to feel good. Back in the day, my biggest goal was to have a thigh gap because the girls on Tumblr and Instagram were living a perfect life with their thigh gaps. And what I had to do was run a ton, which I hate running. If you know me, you know that I hate running. I also like put myself on a super low calorie diet. Like I was miserable the whole time. So when I finally achieved my thigh gap, which I happened to have the bone structure to achieve, I wasn't happy. I had made myself miserable trying to get it. So if you're using shame, guilt, or just lack of confidence to try to motivate yourself to do something, it's never going to feel good. People always have that destination happiness thing of I'll be confident when blank, I'll feel better about myself when blank, I'll finally do this when blank. Mm-hmm. You can't live like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And just to sort of hit that nail home, I am 20 pounds heavier than I ever was on stage and I'm the most confident I've ever been. So it really yeah. does that it has absolutely nothing to do with your body. It really does.
0: Amen. I totally agree with that. Like I'm 35 pounds above my stage weight. So I'm rocking team thick and it feels great because I'm taking care of my health. I'm honoring my priorities. I'm putting myself first and all of those things. Would I ideally like to maintain a little bit lower body fat? Like you said, yeah, but it's not going to determine whether or not I feel confident or love myself or honor my body or show up in the world. I'm making the most of what I got. That's what it's all about.
1: Oh my gosh. My word to describe that feeling is literally freedom. That's Mm -hmm. exactly what it feels like. It feels like freedom.
0: All right. I want to talk some habits because obviously psychology, mindset, that sort of stuff is really crucial when you're trying to either build good habits or break bad habits. So what habits do you feel like help cultivate confidence and what habits do you feel like other than obviously we talked about comparing and on social media, what are some other habits that kind of deter us from having confidence?
1: A really powerful habit that I think a lot of people overlook and it's Might sound so simple. It's just having a solid morning routine. That's something that made such a profound difference in my life, especially with managing my anxiety levels. And when your anxiety levels are managed, personally for me, I feel more confident because I'm able to tackle the day in a very powerful way and in my most clear mindset. And everybody's morning routine can look a little bit different, but the things that really work for me and that are non-negotiables, I do them whether I'm traveling or whatever, wake up, read my devotionals, meditate, just take some time to – sometimes I journal, walk my dog, just really take some time for myself before I even look at the phone, look at emails, jump into the day – Because when you jump right into the day, you really just do start your day in an anxious state. And I hear a lot of people say like, well, I don't have time for that. I'm already rushing out the door as it is. And my response to that is that means you need a morning routine more than anything else. You know, mm-hmm. there's like a saying that says, if you say you don't have time to meditate, meditate more.
0: <laughs> right. It's something about like meditate 10 minutes. If you feel like you don't have time to meditate, meditate for an hour
1: or something yes. like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's a habit that I've put into my life that really has created such a massive, massive impact. Another thing is obviously writing down those commitments every day to myself, I have just literally made such a massive impact for me as well movement in any way shape or form I'm not saying going to the gym and killing yourself but just make it a habit of moving your body every single day one of the fastest ways to change your mental and emotional state is to change your physical state so Mm. if you're feeling anxious if you're feeling sad angry upset whatever radically change your physical state literally when I say radically like I've been known to walk downstairs from my office and do handstands like like it sounds crazy, but I'll put on a song and I'll literally use the wall because I'm not a gymnast anymore. But I'll literally just do wall handstands until the song's over and immediately my mental and emotional state is in a very different place. I'm
0: big into like five minute dance parties too.
1: Yes, dance parties. I know some people have like a mini trampoline that they'll jump on just literally radically change your physical state is the quickest way to change your mental and emotional state. And just doing things every day that bring you joy. So I actually have a list and I revisit it every once in a while, but this was something that really, really helped me too to just bring more happiness and confidence into my life is I wrote down every little thing that brings me joy
0: mm. from
1: Something as simple as going to get a blowout. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The littlest things that bring me joy. And then next to each one of those things, I wrote down in my ideal happiest life, how many times would I need to engage in those things to feel the most joy, to feel the happiest. And I stick to doing those things. And some of them are jumping on a phone call with a friend four times a week, having a face-to-face interaction with a friend two times a week or whatever it might be and sticking to those things. And I kid you not, making it a habit of engaging in those activities that bring me joy literally has changed my entire reality and has just brought so much happiness and confidence into my life.
0: Those habits, I think the most common thread between them all is really just Taking a second to put yourself first. Like with your morning routine, it doesn't need to be elaborate. It doesn't need to take an hour. Like I feel like my morning routine is a little bit unrealistic for people that don't work from home and are flexible with their schedule. I totally get that. But I think the biggest takeaway is simply be intentional about putting yourself first and telling yourself, hey, I deserve that I should get a little time to myself. I deserve to be treated with love and respect because. I would assume that you think that everyone else should be treated that way, but somehow we forget to treat ourselves that way. So just putting yourself first and saying, I am deserving of this. I am worthy of this. Even 30 seconds of taking care of myself, that radically builds confidence because if you are telling yourself, I don't even deserve 30 seconds, five minutes of putting myself first, how are you supposed to feel confident? How are you supposed to feel like you have healthy self-worth?
1: Exactly. Oh my gosh. And you're so right about that, too. Like, I just tweeted this earlier, but we all want to find a partner in life, right? That is able to see our flaws, but also continue to love and respect us regardless of those flaws, right? And so, Mm -hmm. if we expect to have a partner like that in our life, we need to start with ourselves. We need to be able to see our flaws and still treat ourselves with love and respect because you're not going to get that from somebody else unless you start with you.
0: Mm -hmm. One thing I think helps you kind of get out of that mode of only seeing your flaws is acknowledging the small wins and acknowledging the progress that you are making. So are there any things like any frameworks or habits that you take your clients through as far as acknowledging their own progress and their own unique magic?
1: Yes, that's actually so funny that you say that because I actually just started this win calendar activity that I do with my clients. Oh,
0: I love that.
1: It's a massive desk calendar. They're literally $3 in the Target dollar section. Go Target. And every day at the end of the day, it is a requirement to write down at least one win, if not more. It's just you're able at the end of the month to reflect on all of these wins, big or small. And even the small ones are what add up to those massive transformations. And I think so much of the time, so many of us fail to acknowledge the progress and the wins that we're actually making. But prior to that, I do make every coaching phone call that I get on with a client. We always start with celebrating wins, whether they be individual coaching phone calls, group phone calls, modules. Literally, we're always, always, always acknowledging and celebrating wins. And the really cool thing about my program is it's such a beautiful, lively community and sisterhood that when One of the ladies is celebrating a win. It really, it inspires the other women to level up and celebrate their wins as well. So celebrating wins is so incredibly necessary in order to keep yourself motivated and keep that fire lit.
0: For sure. And when you are able to acknowledge your wins, you're basically acknowledging your ability to accomplish things and live up to your promises, which coming full circle, that's a huge part of being able to be confident. And only focusing on the negatives is one of the fastest ways to tear down your confidence. So I think that is a really, really huge key to like unlocking that confidence and freedom that we've been talking about.
1: I mean, every week too, I also have my clients share their non-scale or non-body related victories because my program does have a very large focus on mindset. So what are the mental transformations that you're making? Because those are the things that are going to have a butterfly effect into every other area of your life. I really place an emphasis on them acknowledging those wins in that area because that's so impactful.
0: How do you balance? So obviously a lot of your clients come to you because they are also looking for a physical transformation. Like You're known for all of your work with mindset and psychology and all of that stuff, which I'm sure they come to you for that as well. But typically, at least for me, most of my clients also have some sort of physical goal. Usually it's fat loss or getting muscle or getting stronger. So how do you help them balance that goal, being objective without falling into that trap of attaching self-worth and confidence to that goal?
1: Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you say that. And I feel like over the last year and a half as the content that I've been putting out there has changed, the typical client that comes to me, of course, they want to feel healthy and confident in their bodies. But I kid you not, the last like 20 potential client phone calls that I've been on, they're like, I don't really have a goal to like, you know, have a certain number on the scale. I just want to feel balanced and feel like myself. I'm getting a lot of previous competitors That want to just find what I've found.
0: That's my favorite.
1: Yeah, me too. I mean, they want to find that balance and they want to find that freedom to feel confident in their bodies at every shape. And what I tell them, and this is sort of to answer your question, is that when you create that balanced mindset, that lifestyle that creates consistency and sustainability rather than a cycle of what often Most women come to me and they're struggling with a cycle of restriction, which leads to destruction, right? They can't find balance. It's one extreme to the other. And all restriction ever leads to is destruction. And what I tell them is that once we create that mindset around balance and sustainability, the physical changes just come as a result of that.
0: Mm -hmm. So,
1: yeah, like your body's going to change. It absolutely will. But it's going to start with the mental and emotional transformation. And the physical transformation is going to come as a beautiful result. And that's how results last long-term when they start from the inside out a
0: for like the millionth time of this conversation. Seriously. No, this has been absolutely amazing. And now everyone's like, dang, I want to learn more from Karen. Karen seems really cool. Where can they find you? Where can they become your friend?
1: Yes, come be my friend. My Instagram is just at Karen Nicole, C-A-R-Y-N-N-I-C-O-L-E. Find my YouTube channel. It's just my first name, Karen, last name, Kalini. Those are my two major platforms I would love to connect with all of the amazing people that are listening to your podcast right now because if they're listening to you, they have to be equally as amazing as you are, right? Oh, thanks.
0: Yeah, guys, go send Karen some love. Tell her thank you for being on the show.
1: Yeah, it's been a pleasure.
0: Long time coming. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Guys, we tried to schedule this podcast months ago and then her laptop literally just died and like left the earth. But it has been worth the wait, I have to say. But before we close out the episode, there is one final question because this is the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. So we have to know what is one thing that you're currently grinding toward and just working really hard for and what is one thing that you are hugely grateful for?
1: Yes. Oh, I love that. Super grinding towards. I'm hosting a two-day live course slash certification on March 9th and 10th that I'm essentially teaching other wellness coaches my methodology of coaching. At the end of the day, I really truly believe that this sort of mindset and emotional deep-rooted style of coaching is what's missing for a lot of wellness coaches in their practice and why they struggle with lead generation, why they struggle with client retention, why they struggle with service delivery. And at the end of the day, that's why their businesses are struggling. So I'm so excited about that. I literally knew how passionate I was about this delivery of this program because I wrote the entire curriculum in two days. Oh (laughs) my gosh. I literally just grinded hard. And there were days where I was like, oh my God, I'm sitting in the dark in my office and it just turned to so I'm so excited about that. It's March 9th and 10th. I'm hosting it live here in San Diego, but also doing a live stream as well. So I'm just so thrilled to just provide that education and that knowledge and hopefully help other wellness coaches just create an even more massive impact, not just in their businesses, but more importantly, in the lives of the clients that they're working with. At the end of the day, you know, I'm only one person and the more people that I can help that means they're helping more people. So that means everything to me. So I'm so excited about that. Grinding super hard for that. Yay. And oh my gosh, right now, I honestly just have to say that I'm, (laughs) this might sound just crazy, but I'm just grateful for the warmth and the sunshine in San Diego this morning Mm -hmm. because my dad told me that today it is colder than Antarctica and Siberia in Chicago right now. Yeah,
0: (laughs) yep. Yeah. Karen's from Chicago. I'm from Minneapolis, St. Paul. And both of our hometowns are like negative 40 with wind chill today. So
1: I have a phone call with them tonight and I am going to surprise them and fly them out here for my (gasps) mom's birthday in February. Oh, that's amazing. And so I do have to say I'm grateful for the ability to be able to do that and bring them here and get them out of the cold. So I know that they'll be really excited about that.
0: That's amazing. They're going to be so excited. Okay. Well, this has been an amazing interview. Thank you so much, Karen. And guys, don't forget to go follow Karen. Show her some love. Check out her coaching because I have seen her in action. and She's truly amazing at what she does and just a light in this world. So thank you, Karen.
1: I love you. So are you.
0: Love you. Okay. We're going to hang up and we're going to keep catching up as friends now. So we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye before you go I just wanted to say thank you so much for spending your time with me on the grind and be grateful podcast today I'm super happy that we were able to hang out and share some good vibes today it would mean the absolute world to me if you could take one second to share this episode with someone who you think would love it whether it's texting it to your friend linking it on Twitter or posting a screenshot on your instagram story it is all super appreciated and please leave a show review on iTunes if you're enjoying it tell me what you think let me know what you want to hear more of this show is for you. So your feedback matters. Plus it would really help me out on my mission to educate and empower women everywhere to become their very best selves. Thank you again for listening and supporting the show. And until next time, don't forget to grind to be grateful, my friends.